0: Welcome to the IC Disc Show. Interviews with business owners, industry leaders and tax experts sharing how the IC disc can benefit your bottom line profits. Check out the show notes at icdiskhow.com. This show is brought to you by the IC Disc Alliance. Discover how the premier IC Disc consulting firm supports you at icdisk.com and by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray.
1: Bob Emery, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Well, thank you, David. I
0: appreciate the opportunity to be here today.
1: Yeah, it is my pleasure. I've known you for about as long as I've been involved in the scrap business. I believe the other famous Bob introduced us, the famous Bob Garino. Doesn't that
0: sound right? That is correct. Funny Bob Garino, as my kids would call him, <laughs> did introduce us. And I thought, what a great opportunity for you to get involved in the industry was to be involved with Bob. Everybody sure. was involved. Yep. Yeah,
1: yep. Yeah, that is, is true. And then for those that didn't know, he after he retired from Israel, he did a five-year tour of duty with my firm. And then he did kind of his final retirement from there. And that's been Geez, I think six or seven years ago, the time does go by. So, so let's start at the beginning. Where are you calling in from today? I'm
0: in Cleveland, Ohio, or actually Medina, Ohio. Okay. Uh, It's roughly 30 miles south of Cleveland. And I've lived here virtually all my life. I've had numerous opportunities to relocate. And I've just, I enjoy it here. I have family here. And uh, that's where I'm from.
1: You know what's funny? So... I'm from Iowa originally. And people who are not from the Midwest, I swear they all think Iowa, Ohio, and Idaho are the same place. <laughs> for sure, Iowa and and Ohio, you know, start with vowels, end with vowels, for somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've never been to Cleveland, but I've been to Columbus many times and I I love Columbus. I've been to Cincinnati a couple of times.
0: Well, next time you're in Columbus or if you ever come to Cleveland, let me know. Uh, Columbus from here is really only about an hour and 45 minutes. And one of my twin boys lives in Columbus.
1: Oh, that's one of my all time favorite restaurants is there in German Village schmidt's sausage house or something like that yep schmidt's
0: schmidt's sausage house or ale house or whatever it is it's a great place
1: yeah home of the four pound eclair (laughs) I
0: i didn't know about the eclair but their food is phenomenal
1: well their desserts like they serve like i think it's a cream puff and it's served on a dinner plate and it like takes up the whole thing very tasty
0: They also put on a, they have a brew fest every year as well. I do they. That is
1: awesome. So from Ohio, and then when you got out of college, I guess you were just dying to get into the media business, right? Where did you, where did the, this whole gig start? What was your first gig out of college?
0: My first real job out of college was working for a local newspaper. Actually, the newspaper itself was a weekly. Okay. I had started with the weekly, had a small territory, and had done exceptionally well in a very short amount of time with that particular company. So they moved me from the weekly into the daily. And the daily for that company was their bread and butter. And I was handling advertising at the time. uh, Okay started working with some of what would be their bigger clients because of the business I was bringing in. So I was working with car dealers and tire dealers and people that were regular advertisers for the newspaper. And it was actually in the Kent, Ravenna, Ohio area. It was called the Record Courier. Okay. And it was a great job. I loved it. The people were great. You talk about being in the Midwest and there's just something about people in the Midwest. People are honest, they're open, They're genuine. And you put that into a small town, it's even more so. And I was with that company for almost five years. But one of the issues I had is that I'd come to realize that people there were lifers. There were people mm-hmm. that once you got in there, it's kind of a stepping stone job. You were either going to come in, learn the trade, move out, or stay there for life. And I, I've still got friends there, most of them since retired.
1: Okay, so
0: it, was, it was a great opportunity to get started. That's uh, awesome. So I worked for them, and uh, you know, at the time, I you know, when it was time to leave, a few thousand dollars would have probably kept me there. But that's not, <laughs> uh, you know, I probably would have been stepping on toes if people had been there, the lifers. <laughs> so from that perspective, it was time to move on. Okay, and then what? Uh, what was your entree to the scrap business? I I did work for another company after leaving there. And I was with that company for probably five years. I'm not one who jumps jobs, but what ended up happening is kind of the same thing. Worked for another company for like five years and it was time to either pay or leave. And we were close, but I left. And at that time I'd gone to work for Recycling Today. Okay. Uh, And that was back in, I think I started in mid 1995 when I started working for Recycling Today. And I was there for almost seven years. After Recycling Today, I left there to go to construction equipment guide. I was there for roughly about a year and a half. And I was not looking for work at all because I'm not one who jumps jobs. Sure. Uh, Have never done that. But after working for Recycling Today, doing well there, finding my time to move on, When I was a construction equipment guide, Isri called me out of the blue and basically said, we're interested in having you work for us. What do we need to do? And at that point, I said, listen, you can pay me double. You can pay me triple. I'm not moving to D.C. And conversations then opened up. I went in, I flew in, met with Robin Wiener, and I was with Isri for 17 years with Isri and Scrap Magazine. In ISRI, that's the Institute of Scrap Recycling Industries, correct? That is correct. They're the largest cl- or
1: largest collection of scrap dealers, processors, and recyclers in the world. Yeah. And that's how I met you it was actually at a industry, ISRI, the annual convention, I believe, probably in 2010, 2011, something like that. Sounds right. Sounds right to me. So you were there a good while. Sounds like you might have even planned to be a lifer there.
0: It was, I was, I loved the company. I loved the association. The people I worked with were great. It's, it was, a, it really helped benefit me and my career. But as we had decided to move or to go digitally, and I believe in this industry, a number of people still get their hands dirty. And after I had left there, I'd heard from numerous people about, when am I going to start my own magazine?
1: Okay. So how many people had to ask you that question before you you said soon?
0: It's funny because when I did leave, I left in December of 20 is when I left ISRI. And I was contemplating on what to do. I'd had some people reach out right away uh, that had offered me, either offered me or were inquiring about what I may be doing as far as employment. In a number of equipment companies, I'd have a lot of a number of equipment companies had asked because because of sales opportunities and stuff. I have thousands of contacts in the scrap recycling industry, both equipment and scrap dealer, processors, brokers, all kinds of different contacts from my 20, 27, 20 plus years of experience. So from that perspective, I was weighing my options and considering what I may or may not do. But I'd also run some numbers. i talked to printers. I've talked to people about potentially starting something up. And the biggest drawback was virtually I'm starting fresh. I've got no history. I've got no back. I mean, I've got a background, but I'd be starting a brand new magazine with zero sure. dollars. Knowing I'd have to come up with X amount of dollars before we even turned a profit. And that includes, you know, the high cost of printing and mailing and paying people and. You know, so from that perspective, it wasn't a quick, easy decision. I had a couple customers that were like, "What are you waiting for, Bob? This is crazy. You know, you're going to make money." And it's like, "That's you know, you can say that, but it's not that I didn't have confidence in myself, but I can tell you there were a lot of sleepless nights until I made that decision. Basically, we I decided to go. I started really inquiring it about early February. I think I made the decision in April of 21 to start the magazine, and our first issue was the July-August issue of 21. And as concerned as I was about starting up a magazine and covering our costs, we made money with issue one, and we've never looked back.
1: That is awesome. And isn't it scary when you think back how all the things that had to fall into place for you to go the entrepreneurial route... And all the ways that if just a few things had gone differently, you'd be an employee someplace and would have missed out on the American dream of entrepreneurship. Very true. I mean, I did have
0: customers that I did consider working for, but mm-hmm. I love owning a business. This has been it, the people I work with. It, it's not just me. It's I brought a number of people from ISRI on board with us as well that work for us and contributing roles. You know, and I know Kent Kaiser, a former publisher of Scrap Magazine, does this. He does all of our proofreading. He does, he did a story for us in last year's convention issue, and he's going to do another one this year for us. And the invitation's open every, you know, it's open anytime he wants to write, he can contribute to the magazine. Our editor, Ken McEntee, who I work with right up front about starting this magazine. He's been awesome as far as the, what he writes. He used to write for Scrap Magazine as far as equipment features and other features that he'd done for us with Scrap, but he's done a great job taking over and really handling all of the editorial for the magazine. Uh, Marion Weiss, who is our production director at Scrap Magazine, is our production director here with Metals Recycling Magazine. She's been phenomenal. It just She does a great job. The covers have been beautiful. The layouts, the... We Sue Gubish, who designed the magazine, who worked with us with Scrap Magazine. She did the production or the layout of Scrap Magazine and she created a beautiful format for us to follow. And she's done some articles with us as well as far as production. And we'll do so again, hopefully this year. And then people like Judy Ferrara, who with Shapiro Metals has been, we added her back in, I think the March, April issue of last year with her column. And love, love reading it, love getting it. I've gotten nothing but positive and great feedback from, from readers, from scrap dealers in the industry on her columns. And then Manfred Beck, who also not only supplied us articles up front and does a column in our magazine, but Manfred Beck was involved with Recycling International for 25 years. They're celebrating their 25th anniversary and Manfred's and Helga are the people who started that magazine.
1: Yeah, two of my favorite Dutch people. They're 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 Dutch. Aren't they Dutch? Yes, they are.
0: Yeah. So just having them up front to even sound, you know, to bounce items off of as a sounding board. But even in issue one, Manfred sent me an article. He said, use it. I said, well, what do you want for it? He goes, don't worry about it. You just you use it, you know, and it's just the kind of people that. They are the great people. He knew what it was like to start Recycling International. And like I said, their success 25 years later. But so, I mean, there's lots of people, but so it's not just me, but I'm thrilled at where we are today and the growth and success we've had in the short amount of time.
1: Yeah. So let me just make sure I kind of have the pieces put together. So COVID hits in March, 2020, you know, the whole world has to go virtual including ISRI, and they were kind of forced to go into more of a digital approach to things. And after a few months of that, their sense was that the future was going to be digital for them in not having the, the long time running scrap magazine as a full production. Is that right? And then that yeah. took them to December of 2020, where they made that decision. and uh, And thus, once they didn't have the physical magazine... There really wasn't a fit between you all, so you know, no hard feelings. And then you left, and then the pieces kind of fell in. Where it sounds like you identified a you know a hole in the marketplace for a a physical magazine. Is that about right? Summarize it. Yeah, that's very good. A very
0: good summarization, and I'd say that's correct. And there was a void in the industry. We had, they said, I had had countless people saying, "Well, you know." Recycling Today is a good magazine. It really is. It covers, it's much more broad, but it's a good magazine. They've done a good job over the years. They did a good job when I was there, you know, 27 years ago or whatever. Sure. But no, I'd had a number of people say, Bob, if you start a magazine, we'll support you. And when you hear that enough and you've run the numbers enough and you start plugging in, okay, if I do X amount from this company and X amount from this company... Now, I only need this amount to break even. And that's kind of how it all started. And that's how everything went. And like I said, we're doing nothing but growing. And it's not just because of the magazine itself. It's you kind of think, well, oh, running a business, it might be easy. I might be able to you know, take some time off. I probably put <laughs> more hours in now than I ever put in. I know I'm doing a lot of travel. And, but the more I'm out there, every show I go to, every trade show, whether it be an history event, uh, An NDA demolition event. We're doing Con Expo for the first time, but I've been doing it since 1995. You know, every three years, every event I go to, meetings, whatever it is, I'm getting business out of them.
1: So, and it—that's awesome. And this, yeah. So help me understand because I can understand why Israel went in that direction. I mean, the future seems digital, right? The, The Kind of mass market newspapers and magazines, you know, they've been in decline for decades, right? The physical product. But what's different about having an industry publication that makes having a physical production different than the People magazine and Newsweek and USA Today?
0: I I think it's I think I I would always tell people, if you're in a financial, if you're in a medical, if you're in, there's so many different markets where I think digital publications and digital communications are right up their alley. It's, they're very fitting, very suiting, and there's all kinds of them. But our industry, and I have said, I think I mentioned it earlier, people still get their hands dirty. Um, and a lot of the people, I don't know if you've been to scrap dealers or scrap yards. I have. I've probably been to a hundred of them. See, that's it's good. It's, a, it's an environment. It's not always, depending upon the yard, they may not be the cleanest environment. Sure. They may not be the most technically advanced. And some of that is a number of these scrap yards you go into, they might be located in inner city areas where you know, it's heavily gated and, and armed or whatever, secured, I guess is probably a better word. But even their computer systems are not always up to date. It used to be a cash business and very much a cash business, but due to regulations, both state and federal and accounting purposes, most of those companies have, or all of the companies have gone much more digital in their, they're much more computerized than they used to be. Having said that, you know, there's still a lot of people who get their hands dirty within the scrap dealers. People that are involved in making decisions within those yards. Very many of them are not quite as technologically advanced as say a broker or a trader in the sure. trade industry. Brokers and traders are very high and owners of companies are very highly computer literate and, and technologically advanced. Having said that, a lot of the people that are involved in the decision making process
1: may not be at F- like the like like for example, like a facilities manager or operations manager, who's really out in the yard all day. He's not in front of his computer checking email, right? Very very true. Very true. So
0: we gauge the number of people who sign up. Like we mail about 10,400 issues of metals recycling. We send almost 6,000 out digitally via email. And when you go to our website, metalsrecyclingmagazine.com. Okay, you can go to the subscribe section. And when they do, we offer an option of subscribing to print, digital, or both. And today, of all the people that sign up for the magazine, we it's really about 80% of the people who sign up still want a printed magazine. It doesn't mean that they don't want the digital version as well mm-hmm. of the people who hit print only and or print and digital. We're still about 80% direct request for print. Uh, and then a lot of the digital only are ones that are going internationally. So I wouldn't end up probably sending them the printed edition either, unless they were a larger company or one that I wanted to make sure we were getting it to or an advertiser.
1: Okay. Now, thank you for that clarification. That That makes sense. Because when I first heard that, it it seemed counterintuitive, but you had explained it to me uh a while back when you were starting it. And uh, so thank you for that additional clarification.
0: Sure. Yeah, like this, you know, we do, as part of the circulation, we do additional printed magazines for shows. I think we're producing 5,600 additional January, February issues just for the Isri Consumers Night, for the demolition, and the Con Expo trade shows. And you say, well, Con Expo, that has nothing to do with the scrap industry. Well, it doesn't, but it doesn't, but a lot of people who attend maybe demolition contractors. They may Mm -hmm. be auto recyclers. They may be scrap guys, some from steel mills and such, because the show only takes place every three years. And it's such a big show with 130 or 140,000 attendees. Every OEM of material handlers is there. Uh, Every OEM of conveyors, uh, every OEM of attachments, both domestic and international, they're all at that show. And I get more business out of that show, even though it's not say a scrap or recycling show, you know, than probably most any other show with the exception of ISRI. Okay.
1: So so in many ways, your customers are really the advertisers, right? Without a doubt. That when I started this,
0: I knew I had to generate X amount of dollars of revenue per issue to break even. Because you don't charge for the issue, I mean, right? You know, it's a controlled circulation. But I knew I want I knew I wanted a larger circulation than, than I had with the previous magazine. And in this case, our circulation is about 30% more than it was there, and considerably higher on the digital side, that's just on the print side. So yeah, oh, wow. Definitely wanted it to be higher. And then I wanted to be, I wanted because we were new, I wanted the prices to be less. And we are we're about 25% less than we were with the old magazine. Okay.
1: And so help me understand like what your like what the perfect company is who you all are like the best fit for is it like a foreign company you know, trying to break into the US market is it a US company who maybe has a new product or maybe gets into the scrap business so help me maybe just give me like a you know a couple or three sort of a case studies of the types of companies that are a really good fit, where you've received feedback that they've gotten a lot of value, and whether you want to name them specifically or keep it anonymous or a mix of the two, that's fine.
0: Yeah, I think from a readership perspective, we you know we felt there was a void in the industry. So from a readership perspective, we wanted we wanted to control, we wanted to be able to send, we wanted to target our editorial towards metals, but it doesn't just limit us to metals, meaning that if I'm we're putting a car into a shredder, a car has metals in it, it has plastic in it, it has rubber in it, it has, you know, all different other components within that that make up that that vehicle. So from we targeted the editorial to metals, but it covers much more. From an advertising perspective, we're really across the board. We the areas you mentioned are they're all prospects or so they're all our typical or regular advertising advertisers, our, our largest and our easiest advertisers are equipment manufacturers, OEMs, and or dealers of equipment, both new and used. Um, okay. and as you mentioned, there are a lot of domestic companies that I worked with Scrap Magazine or with Recycling Today, both Domestic and international that I work with today. And we've had numerous comments on the, I guess, the leads that they've generated from their advertising. So, from an equipment without naming names, we've got my renewals have been very strong and very easy for me this year, especially. We had three issues in 2021. We had six issues in 2022. And this was really my first full year of renewals where people were able to put us in their budget to not just make room for us. And we've had, the renewals have gone very well and people have been very pleased with the response they've gotten from the magazine. I've got a number of scrap dealers and processors that advertise in the magazine. And it's always easier for me to get an equipment company to advertise. Sure. But the scrap dealers and processors, when you get them, most of them renew their advertising. I just received one just an hour ago that came through. I used to run with me, it was scrap. And with scrap... Without naming names, but they were running probably two issues a year with Scrap. Every now and then, I might get to to a third issue. Last year, they were in every issue with us, and they renewed again today for this year. And I would see them at shows and meetings, and they'd go, you know what? We've been very surprised and very pleased with the leads we've got out of your magazine. Uh, and this is for a company that, you know, that does buy and sell metals. So, and it's, and I know we'll see probably a large increase on that this year on scrap dealers, processors, brokers, consumers, because now I have the time to kind of go after some of those businesses. Mm -hmm. I'll usually focus my time as to what's easier to get and prioritize it. And if it's easier for me to get an equipment company, I'll go after them. But right now we're doing business, you know, the business is doing very well. You'd mentioned international companies. I think. That always offers opportunity. I know we picked up, I was at the Iron and Steel show last year and seeing a conveyor company that was there. And we discussed things a little bit, showed them the magazine, showed them the scope, the marketplace. They had not run in any magazine in the recycling industry before, but they were doing so in the steel side. And we ended up picking up a program out of them, which runs through March of this year. And I'll see a lot more of that with ConExpo. When I mentioned ConExpo coming up... That's where a lot of international companies go to do business in North America. There's a bigger show in Europe called Bama that takes place, and it's like five times Con Expo, and I've never been. Okay. But, but Con Expo takes up, it's the largest show in Vegas by space there is. I guess it's probably only 130, 140,000 attendees, but space-wise, there's not a bigger show in Vegas. Wow. So I, I will get, I'll get a lot more international business. Even if not for this year, it'll set the table for next year.
1: Okay. Well, that's uh, that's great. And just to put a plug to you, we've been advertising with you all for about a year. Uh, and it's really been a, a great experience. And you and the team have just been so easy to work with, flexible. So I appreciate that. So thank you for giving us the opportunity to uh, to participate in the growth of the magazine. Well, we appreciate your business and
0: the team's easy to work for. I'm not, or work with.
1: It's good. Well, well, you're, maybe you're a little bit like me. Uh, usually my customers really like me and my coworkers don't. And, you know, <laughs> because I'm just, I'm so customer centric that it makes, you know, and it's like, Hey, I promised this tomorrow for this customer. And they're like, yeah, Dave, but it's going to take a week. Well, I know, but (laughs) it's tomorrow, so I can appreciate what you're
0: saying. But the customer is, I mean, for me, the customer is best. I have never pushed anybody into doing anything. And for us, it's we'll present information. We'll let them know what we have. We'll run press product releases for companies, even if they're not advertising with us. And to me, really, it, you know, if we can do anything to help a company, we will, but I, I won't push it. And, and customers know I care. I, I'll have customers in this is throughout my history. I've had customers come up and say, well, this is what we want to do. This is what we have to spend. And I want to really hit it hard. And a lot of salespeople would go, well, let's, yeah, let's do that. Let's do it all up front. So I get the commissions on it. I do whatever, uh, yeah. money. And I'm not like that. I would be like, you know, you'd probably be better served if you took that same money and spread it out over a period of time, even if it meant cutting size or color, and kept the consistency out there. And this is why. I mean, there's times to spend. There's, you know, if you've got a sale, you've got something that's only there for a little bit if you've got to move inventory quickly. But for me, it's about what works out best for the customer. And in nine times out of 10, that works out best for me because if the customer is doing business in the long run, I'll continue to do business. And that's how we've done, you know, business in the past. And that's why I think I was able to do business when we started up Metals Recycling Magazine.
1: Yeah. From the time I've known you, I've always had a sense that you had a long-term perspective on things. You weren't just trying to maximize this quarter's revenue. and, And that comes through as an advertiser you know, we'd never have felt pressured. And you're right. We've had ideas where you have encouraged us to scale it back. So yeah, we, we appreciate that. What do you enjoy most about being an entrepreneur and being your own boss? I'd like to say the flexibility and being able to take a lot of time <laughs>
0: myself, but it hasn't happened yet. I say that in jest because my daughter did get married last year, and I was able to take some additional time in July because of it. But and I do think this year, as the business continues to grow and stuff, I'll be able to take a little more time. But I like the control. Um, sure. you know, I just like to be the one. You know, it's if we're gonna make it, we're gonna make it based upon the decisions we make as a team, the decisions that I decide to make. And if we're not, it's for the same reason. So. Mm-hmm but I definitely like the control and the uh, flexibility.
1: Yeah. No, I, yeah, it's funny. I had a feeling you were going to say control because you started with flexibility and then you realized that it's funny to the outsider. It doesn't look like you have much flexibility, but you actually do because, you know, every minute of every day you decided what you were going to do. And the sure fact that in year one and two, you decided to spend a high percentage of your waking hours working, that was still your choice and you still had the flexibility. I heard a guy once who was an entrepreneur who said, the key to success is working half days, six days a week. And he said, just pick which 12 hours you want to work, (laughs) which half of the day you want to work and do that six days a week. And you know, success will follow you around. And I, I never forgot that. I can
0: see how you wouldn't forget that and how true.
1: (laughs) What was, we're kind of wrapping up here. What do you know? What do you wish? I'm sorry. Let me rephrase this. What do you know now that you wish you'd known when you were 25 years old? Or said another way, if you could go back in time and give advice to your 25 year old self. What advice might you have given yourself? In fact, that's the question. Answer that one if you would. If you could go back in time and give advice to your 25-year-old self, what advice might you give?
0: I would probably give myself the advice of be honest, be open, be strong, and continue or not continue, but to drive to be the best. Okay. Okay. And that's one thing, no matter where I've been, I've tried to follow. I mean, I, like I said, I think a lot of the business we've had is because I do drive, I do pursue. Um, to me, it wasn't the money per se, it was the results. But to be open with people and to communicate with people. So I think to be grounded, to to do, you know, to strive to grow, but be open and honest.
1: Okay. Now, since you probably don't have a time machine to go back and give yourself that advice, you have the next best thing, right? Don't you have kids and there's twenties? Yeah, I've got my daughter's 26. She's a
0: teacher and I've got twin boys who are doing both have good jobs as we speak, good careers starting out. I would definitely convey the same information. I've got a son. One of the twin sons is he knows everything <laughs> and he's very good at doing what he does. Okay, but and I'm hoping that the values that I had and the values that my wife has shared with our boys and our daughter have come through, and I know they carry those qualities, but keep driving, keep going, be successful.
1: Well, I would say based on a lot of folks I know who have kids in their twenties, I would say the sheer fact that you have three kids in their twenties and they're all and they're all financially independent of you seemingly, I mean, I'm making an assumption here, right. uh, implies you all, you and your wife have done something right, because it seems like a somewhat rare accomplishment these days.
0: Yeah, they're doing great. And I agree. Today's society, it's interesting.
1: Understood. So is there anything that I didn't ask you or ask you that I should have, or you wish I'd asked you?
0: I don't think so. The only thing I know that I didn't mention that um, I see a lot of growth and, you know, I express that we're still we're growing on the print side as well as the digital side. But the one thing that I see a lot of and I will continue to see, which is video, is companies promoting themselves via video or it's phenomenal to be able to everybody spending in that and in, in that direction. And that's one of the things, even when I was with Scrap Magazine, is we wanted to incorporate more video into the magazine and just didn't. For whatever reason, uh, with metals recycling, that's something that up front that was there were a number of different digital platforms we looked at that we ruled out because we were not able to add video into a customer's advertisement. Mm-hmm. Even today, if you were to open up, say, our November, December issue of metals recycling yeah, on the inside front cover, we may have an Harris ad and it's got a predator baler on there. And up in the top right corner of that page, you can actually see that Harris Predator Baylor working. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. It's something that I'll probably continue to do more of. Now that I start to have more time, customers will start to introduce more video into their advertisements. And I do, I think that's, it's something that I meant to bring up before, but it's something we'll continue to do going forward and definitely grow on.
1: Okay. No, I'm glad you covered everything. (laughs) I'm glad you clarified that. Well, I think we've covered most everything I wanted to. I really appreciate you taking the time, Bob, to come on here. I know this is, it's taken a while to get this on your calendar just because of how busy that first year was for you. And I appreciate you making time. And I think I will next see you next month in St. Louis. I will see you in St. Louis.
0: I definitely appreciate the opportunity to be on here. i you know, I always enjoy seeing you at shows and meetings, and we'll definitely enjoy our time in St. Louis. And then I think you have an ad outstanding too that you need to get in for this issue too.
1: Oh, okay. Well, thanks for letting me know. I, you know, my my person on the team who manages that had COVID like the last week. I think he's doing better now, and I'm going to be talking to him later. I'll be sure to ask him. Put you on the spot. No, that's okay. This is like uh, this is authentic conversation between Bob and Dave.
0: I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for the
1: opportunity. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. I will see you in St. Louis and stay warm as you, as spring approaches in the upper Midwest. I look forward to it. I'll see you in St. Louis. All right. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. There we have it. Another great episode Thanks for listening in. If you want to continue the conversation, go to icdiscshow.com. That's ic wcom And we have additional information on the podcast, archived episodes, as well as a button to be a guest. So if you'd like to be a guest, go select that and fill out the information, and we'd love to have you on the show. So that's it. We'll be back next time with another episode of the IC Disc Show.